Well, his name is Malachi. That's right. I'm talking about a prophet, the last prophet in the Old Testament or the original Testament of the Bible. It's very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Jen. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are going through the Bible today. We finish up the original Testament, and this is something. We're going to talk about this in about a minute, so stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Why does Edom get so much flack in the scriptures, even here in Malachi chapter 1? We're going to find out. Ryan? Well, in one of the final chapters of the Old Testament, Malachi says Jesus is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And that's really interesting. But what does it mean? More on that later. What does that mean? Very interesting. Okay, Janice? Today, beloved of God. All right, take your Bible guide and take your Bible. If you don't have a Bible guide, stay there. We'll tell you how to get one. But take your Bible, the most important book of all, and let's turn to Malachi chapter 1. Let's explore. Malachi 1. 1 through 8. The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, In what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, We have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places, thus says the Lord of hosts, They may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, In what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. He is the last prophet in the original Testament. Uh, It's Malachi. And the book of Malachi contains the last prophetic message from God before the close of the original Testament or the Old Testament. All that we know about the person of Malachi is that his name means my messenger. And that is his ministry occurred around the time of Nehemiah. Now, this is fascinating. His book highlights the messages over messenger. And 
it speaks to the heart of the people experiencing all sorts of trouble, economic insecurity, religious skepticism, and general discontent. Malachi challenges the priest of the people, calling out their wrongful actions that had become commonplace. In many ways, I think that a lot of God's people today can relate to this time. I find two things very interesting about this book, the book of Malachi first, is the back and forth question and answer format it's written in. Second is the very direct way that Malachi's words seem to refer to Jesus Christ and seem to refer to John the Baptist. Very interesting, I'll tell you. Now, if you have a Bible guide, take it and turn to today's passage as we look at Malachi. This is absolutely fascinating. I mean, we're going to talk about God's messenger. And a lot of people think that, well, this wasn't really a guy, it was really an angel. But no, this was some kind of person, so it seems. And he speaks very directly. And the Bible guide will help you understand it. You can write to us or call us for a Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on it, it takes you to a page where you can donate. Thank you for your donations and then download it as it's printed. So you can have a copy in your computer as we printed it. Now, we need to pray and ask God to show us. Father, help us today as we read this book, as we read this chapter, the first chapter. Help us today to understand what you're saying. Help us to hear you. And we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, not our spirit, your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to hear you. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Now, this book starts out differently than the other books. Look at carefully at the beginning. It says the burden, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord. Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. God favors or God's favor was for Jacob and not for Esau. The Lord's calling and hand is on those who choose to serve him with their heart, their soul, and their life. Their heart, their soul, and their life. You know, I find this fascinating because when I go back to Genesis 32 and I see that Jacob's name was changed to Israel, it was changed after he fought with God all night. He was finally alone and on the the border of his property, And he fought with God. God wrestled with him. You have strived with man and you've strived with God. You have prevailed. Fascinating stuff. God calls us to get in line and work with him because he's doing something on this earth. I find that fascinating. Okay, let's go on to Malachi 1 verse 4. Here's what it says. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we have returned and we build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness. 
and the people against whom the Lord will have indignant indignation forever. For your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Look at that. The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. God's favor is forever. When we choose to follow God, we are in commitment to serve Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the one. That's his Hebrew name. He is the Lord. Jesus the Christ. Beloved, I need to tell you, this is the Old Testament or the original Testament, the Hebrew Bible. God speaks to us. And his son is in it so many times. God speaks to us over and over and over. I heard somebody tell me once, well, Jesus doesn't show up till the New Testament. I said, you are absolutely 100% wrong. Jesus is all through the original Testament. What are you talking about? I can see it. And we've seen it in the last, since the year began in January, we've seen it. Beloved, we need to understand that this is absolutely true. But there's more. Let's go on. Malachi 1, 6 to 8, here's what the scripture says. As son honors his father and a servant his master, if then I am the father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priest, to you, priest, who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way? Have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? says the Lord of hosts. Boy, Malachi is really going to town on this. He's right. God's priests were cheating his offerings. God's priests were cheating his offerings. We should give God our best and not our second best in our offerings and our tithes. We need to pay attention because God expects our best and he tells us need to give your best. Now, the reason we give, I want you to hear me say this, I don't want you to get confused with the so-called uh, extraordinary prophecy doctrine or, or doctrine of prophets or any of that. We give because God has already given to us the gift of eternal life. A lot of people give and they say, I want to get rich, so I want to give. You're missing the point. That's not why you give. You give because God has already given his life for you, given you the gift of eternal life. That's why we give. We are in eternally praise to what God has done. That's why we give. You need to be important about that. You need to remember that. That is key, beloved. So that's why we give. And may we give to the Lord accordingly. Give to the Lord because he has given us the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus Christ, our God and our Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we said amen. So let's keep this in mind. This is what Malachi talks about. And this is the last book in the original Testament. I call it the original Testament. Some people call it the Old Testament. Nevertheless, in the original Testament of God, now we get ready to go into the New Testament. 
We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And on Friday's program, I looked at one of the titles of God used in the Bible, which is Lord of Hosts or Lord of Sabaoth in Hebrew. And today is sort of a continuation of that because we're going to look at two more titles because the prophet Malachi refers to the Messiah, Jesus, as both a refiner's fire and fuller's soap. Now, each name and title of God in the Bible reveals something about him. So the question is, what does Malachi mean when he likens Jesus Christ to a refiner's fire and fuller's soap? Hi friends, it's Ryan Hembry here, and today I want to break open Malachi chapter 2, verse 3, because in this verse, the prophet compares Jesus to the refiner's fire and as fuller's soap. What's that all about? <laughs> well, it's a really good question, so grab your Bibles and let's go. Okay, so throughout the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is referred to by many names and titles, and each one of them reveals something about him. And two of these names appear in one of the final chapters of the Old Testament. Malachi declares of him, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. Here, the prophet uses very powerful imagery to emphasize the judgment aspect of Jesus's ministry. First, Malachi compares Jesus to a refiner's fire. Now, in ancient times, a refiner or metal worker would use fire to purify ore, like silver, for example. The ore was heated in a pot until it turned to liquid, and the dross or waste material rose to the surface. Then the metal worker used a ladle to skim off the dross, leaving the pure and uncontaminated silver. Similarly, Malachi also says that Jesus is like fuller soap and a fuller or launderer made his living by washing and dyeing clothes or cloth. And soap as we know it didn't exist in Bible times, so the fuller used a strong alkaline substance to get clothes clean. It was made from a plant that was reduced to ashes to form potash or lye. Now, interestingly, the clothes are thought to have been first trodden by the feet and also rubbed with the knuckles. As you can see, both of these images powerfully portray Jesus's role as judge. And as George W. Knight points out, this image of the Messiah must have been a surprise to the Jewish people of Malachi's time, because they expected the Messiah to come as a conquering hero who would restore Israel to its glory days as a political kingdom. But the prophet informed them that the Messiah would come in judgment against Israel because of its sin and rebellion. As a matter of fact, his second coming will bring judgment against all who have refused to accept him as Lord and Savior. Though Malachi warned us that Jesus will come as the judge of the whole world, both of the living and the dead, God also promised that he would first provide a means of escape for us through this same Jesus, and he delivered. After Malachi penned his final words, there was a 400-year intermission, but these 400 years of silence were finally broken by the cries of a babe in a manger, Jesus Christ, the Savior, God himself in human flesh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now anyone who believes and trusts on him will be saved and escape the coming judgment. 
So I hope that you enjoyed this segment, and this is actually a video from my YouTube channel. So if you want to watch it again for further study or check out my other videos, then just head on over there. And again, it's just my name, Ryan Henry. Also remember to subscribe and share these videos with your friends or unsaved loved ones because we really want to bring the saving message of the gospel to as many people as we can. And I just want to thank you so much for your help. Yeah, so make sure they subscribe to that uh, channel on YouTube. So that's very mm -hmm. good. That's And Corey has a channel on YouTube. You have a channel on YouTube. So that's very, very important. Corey. All right. Well, we did this. I presented this segment a couple of weeks ago, but here we see the prophet Malachi again giving a prophecy against the nation of Edom. So it, we just need to go into it again. So when we're talking about the history of Edom, there's a lot of scholarly debate, and mainly because the data that's available to historians and archaeologists is fragmentary. And without written records from the Edomites themselves, it's left large up to our interpretation today. But from enemy records, we do know some things. So we know where Edom the country was. Uh, from Assyrian records, we know that Edomite kings paid tribute to Assyria at certain points in history. Uh, the Bible tells us a lot more, right? We know the origin of Edom from Esau in Genesis, and we know the names of different chiefs and kings of Edom that are given in the book of First Chronicles. We know that on Israel's way to the promised land in Deuteronomy and Numbers, Edom refused them passageway through Edomite territory. We know that the Israelites often campaigned against Edom and took territory from them. Think of King Saul in 1 Samuel 14 doing this. Also, his servant Doeg the Edomite slaughtered the uh, godly priests of Nob, which wasn't a glowing report of the faithfulness of the Edomites, right? Uh, King David also took Edomite territory in 2 Samuel 8. And we know that the Edomites were completely subjected to Judah during King Jehoshaphat's reign in 1 Kings 22. But this was lost when Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram became king. Edom rebelled against Judah and set up their own king once again. Now, when Jehoram went to war to get them back, to get Edom back, he almost lost his life in an ambush. He made it back home safely, but in a full military retreat, and Edom was free once again, at least from Judah and at least for a time. Because in 2 Kings 14, we're told that the son of Joash, do you remember Joash? He was the boy king who was saved from Queen Athalia's murderous rampage. And then he was established as king by the high priest Jehoiada. It was that Joash. So his son named Amaziah. Amaziah launched a successful military battle against Edom. He's said to have defeated 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and then captured Selah in battle where he may or may not have thrown thousands of Edomites off its rocky cliffs to their untimely deaths. But anyway, he renames Selah Jokthiel, which means subdued by God. And we're going to talk about Selah and Jokthiel a little bit later. Now, these victories made him cocky, and he challenged the king of Israel, who promptly destroyed the wall of Jerusalem, raided the temple, and took hostages. Now, 2 Chronicles 25 tells us why. So apparently, on taking the gods of Edom as spoils of war, King Amaziah set them up to be worshipped in Jerusalem. Now, this was a common practice to pay tribute to the gods of a conquered people so as to earn their patronage rather than inspire their spiritual wrath. But this led to a really awful confrontation with a prophet of the true God, 
Amaziah's pride was on full display. He didn't even allow the prophet to fully give the message of God. Now, later on in the days of King Ahaz of Judah, the time of Isaiah the prophet, the time when Assyria was empire building, we're told in 2 Chronicles 28 that Ahaz reached out to Assyria for aid because he was dealing with raids from Aram and Israel to the north and raids from the Edomites to the south. Now, Edom does not fare well in the prophetic books of the Old Testament. In various ways, it's condemned and spoken against in Isaiah chapters 21, 34, and 63, Jeremiah 49, Lamentations 4, Ezekiel 25, 32, 35, 36, Joel 3, Amos 1, Obadiah, and of course, Malachi 1. Now, there's a few things she's accused of. But especially, Edom is accused of taking possession of Judah's land and being opportunistic in Judah's weakness and in her day of disaster. Okay, so archaeologically, not a lot is known about Edom. Again, because there aren't written records coming from Edom, there have been a couple of temples or cultic sites unearthed in southern Judah showing that Edom did conquer up into Judah. There's been large-scale copper productions excavated dating back to before the time of King David. Uh, they've yielded really interesting results that may give evidence of a centralized government in Edom, perhaps taking over from what was at first an Egyptian-controlled industry. But for our purposes, in speaking about the destruction of Edom and that famous or rather infamous site of Selah, where Amaziah threw Edomite men off of some sort of cliff, the site of S. Sela today is still unexcavated, but it gathered a lot of attention in the early 2000s. It's a natural rock fortress with towering walls accessible only through a narrow ancient staircase. And from finds on the surface uh, of the fortress, it was occupied in the biblical time period, and it may have been a good place to throw a bunch of people from. But it gained attention for the Esila relief, a plaque carved into a cliff face that has a depiction of the Babylonian king Nabonidus, accompanied with writing that is mostly indecipherable. But the carving demonstrates what historians have believed about the destruction of Edom for years. Uh, and this was learned from about four surviving Babylonian records, mainly that Edom fell to Babylon during Nabonidus's campaign through their region on his way to a desert oasis. So, Very yeah. interesting. You know, um, that's important. And of course, it's in the, the prophecy to the Edomite, though you set yourself among the stars, yeah. I will bring you down, yeah. says the Lord. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Corey, for mm -hmm. that. Janice. You know, it, it, there's this thing that rises inside of us, isn't there? Pride mm. and arrogance and... It's not a good thing to have inside of it, inside of us, is it, Rod? No. That attitude, we need to check it at the door. We really do. And um, this I titled today, Beloved of God, we see here in the book of Malachi, Israel was beloved of God, his people, and yet they were trying to cheat. They were trying to be dishonest with their God. And, and I, don't, I don't want to make this segment sound like I'm coming down or I'm preaching at you, but I'm also speaking to myself. And I think largely in North America, at least, and I'm generalizing, a lot of people who call themselves Christians are calling themselves Christians just because maybe it's a popular thing to do. 
but we have forgotten the holiness of God. We have forgotten what God has done and what we have dedicated our lives to. And we see this in his beloved people here, this dialogue back and forth, you know, and, and, and I, I, it's you say, in what way have, have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? He's, he's doing this dialogue back and forth. They were bringing polluted offerings. They, they, they were even saying that, that it was weariness. You also say, oh, what a weariness, and, and you sneer at it. The Lord's table, the Lord's supper. Where have we fallen from, brothers and sisters? Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to come back to the holiness of God. We need to understand who he is and who we are. This is God. This is his word. And we need to get it into our hearts and minds and not just let it sit there, but live it out. Because we become a testimony to this world, this world that is struggling, this world that looks to the future and is so worried about climate and is so worried about finances and is so worried that there's just no hope and that the whole world seems to be in turmoil. We know where the answer is. We know who the bread is. We know who the water is. We know who the answer is. We know who the hope is. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is holy. He is awesome. And he calls you to himself today. He gave his life on the cross. He shed his blood to forgive us of our sins. And he rose again on the third day in the flesh to give us eternal life. This is what he extends to you today. I need you to think about that today. And if you call yourself a Christian, if you have given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, then let him fill you and teach you and grow you in his word. Spend time with him each and every day. Now we get ready to go into the New Testament. I'm very, very excited about this. Of course, I've been preparing it, writing it for the last several uh, months, but it's good because God has spoken. And Father, I pray today, all of us pray that you would tweak our hearts to hear what you're saying today, because Lord, you are speaking right now. And as we watch the news and see everything else, we understand, Lord, that what you're doing is very important. So help us to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen.